Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I'm Austin Healy, and this is the Rugby Tonight podcast. On this week's show, we're joined by Champions Cup winning Saracen Jim Hamilton to discuss his team's success and his retirement plans, as well as looking ahead to the Aviva Premiership semi-finals. Here's the best of our Rugby Tonight insight and analysis from Ben Kay, Martin Bayfield and our studio guest. It's, well, it's a big evening this evening, both here in the studio and also at the Lancaster London Hotel, where this year's Premiership Awards are taking place. We're going to keep you updated on some of the awards as they're announced during the course of the show. Uh, just to let you know, though, Jimmy Gopeth, if you're watching, uh, you've won. Uh, and uh, on Saturday, obviously, it's the Aviva Premiership semi-finals. Both games will be live on BT Sport 1 HD and 4K UHD. Exeter will be playing Saracens down at Sandy Park and Wasps will be taking on the Leicester Tigers. And we want to know which of those sides you think are going to make it into next week's final at Twickenham. And the reasons behind it as well, all you need to do is tweet in at Rugby Tonight. We'll read some out later on. Great stuff. Time to meet our guest for tonight. His head might still be buzzing from the weekend, and who can blame him? Another Champions Cup medal around his neck and a kit bag full of memories to carry into retirement. Rugby breeds big characters, and this hairy lump has become one of our very favourites. Please welcome Saracens and Scotland legend, Big Jim Hamilton. Hi, Jim. Hello, Austin. Hello. Hi, Ben. Rest those weary, ageing legs. <laughs> First thing, most impressive, that you're actually here and you look in one piece, you look well recovered, as the rest of the Saracens squad in a similar state of repair. They are now. It's been a few days since the game. we not not lying. Sunday, we were a little bit dusty. Uh, we definitely enjoyed the night, uh, rightly so. Edinburgh, great city to go out as well. Great city as well, and a great occasion for you to, to step out and say, enough, time. Is that it? Definitely calling time on your career? 100%. Yeah. yeah. It, was, um, it just felt the time was right. I had in my mind that... I was going to run a try in from 50 metres, um, come on, win us the game and uh, lift the trophy. But, you know, as you saw by a little bit of the VT, I was at the front lifting the trophy without the 50 metre uh, running. John Terry. John Terry. I'm getting a lot of stick off the lads. <laughs> I, I'm not bothered, though. I don't care. It's, one minute, uh, though. You had one minute game time. That's good enough. 90 seconds, wasn't it? 90 seconds. It grows. Sorry. It grows. Every single day, I had a few Excellent. seconds well on. done. Well, this, so. is what, this is what you tweeted. Uh, the time is right. This will be my last season as a rugby player. I'm... Honoured to have played this beautiful game for so long. How much has rugby meant to you? What it, role has um, it played in your life? Well, it's, it's been everything. I mean, for 15 years, I actually played in the academy with these, these old gentlemen before. It's given me a life, you know. Uh, for someone that's not overly talented and athletic, um, I've made the most of what I've got. Um, I've seen a lot of changes throughout the games in terms of, you know, a little bit of the old school to the, to the professionalism that we see now. It's... Uh, 
it's been, been a great to be a part of some amazing teams. And, you know, my, my Scotland career, nine, ten years, although there wasn't huge amounts of success, uh, I still had some great moments and uh, I'll be forever grateful to the game of rugby. Um, I'm, I'm honoured to have played the game. Well, we're going to miss you, but are you, are you, do you think it's important to have those, those experiences to, to, to play for not a lot of clubs, but just to bring different experiences with you? And has it helped you at Saracens to bring all those experiences? Yeah, I'd say so, definitely. Like, for me, I, I've been in good teams. Uh, I've been in great teams back in Leicester back in the day, but I think that, my, you know, the journey a, a, across my career, I did a year at Montpellier in France, it didn't work out quite well. But I genuinely believe that these experiences have, have given me a foundation to be a better rugby player, but also a better man as well, I hope. Well, you're part of an amazing Leicester Tigers team. You're also now part of an incredibly special Saracens side. You've announced your retirement. Kelly Brown, another phenomenal character and a colleague of yours within yeah. the, in the Scotland team. Um, has announced his retirement. He, he tweeted this of you. So this big man is hanging up his boots. Jim Hamilton 4, it's been a pleasure. Uh, I can't see the rest because we've got our crowd uh, in the way. It, but there it, we go. Bramelton. Yeah. There we go. Champions Cup. So Saracen's losing a lot of experience. But uh, when you look at the players coming through, Jim, you, you, Saracen's needn't worry that they're losing uh, a lot of guys at the top because a lot of boys coming through lower down. Exactly. Look, it's a young man's game now as well. You, you look at the players that are now in their prime. You know, Maro Toji's still only 21. You know, Owen Farrell in his prime and he's not even, I think, you know, 25, 26 or whatever. I think that the guys that they're bringing in, uh, like I say like for like, Will Skelton, not a, bad, not a bad replacement, but they recruit very well. You know, they're big on their academy system and I think that everything that you see now with Saracens is from a six-year project that they've talked about. They've got some quality players. You know, there was talk of them being full of foreign players. Now the backbone of that team are homegrown talents and, you know, you, you see with the pictures there, how much it means to everyone, whether you come through the academy, whether you've been brought into the team. Who was the best team, Jim? The Saracens team that you're playing in now or the, or the Leicester team that you, you couldn't quite get in? <laughs> <laughs> I know, I was in the academy back then. I uh, should have played. Played in the final, I think. I scored in the final back <laughs> yeah. in 2006. Um, I think you know, the, two very different games, uh, two very, very different times. I think they're both, obviously, I'm going to say they're good. Leicester gave me my first career. So, I'm going to say both, I'm going to say impartial. But if we mix the two teams, we're in agreement that Ben wouldn't have got in. We definitely would have picked Maro. <laughs> no, Jim. And probably yourself. Jim, yeah, Jim and Maro yeah. in the second row. Yeah. 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 Camelton, well, Camelton I'm happy with that, because that means you left Jono out as well. <laughs> <laughs> that is a big omission. Ben, when we look at, uh, at Saracens and the team spirit amongst them, they've attracted a bit of criticism. It's, it's a team that people have taken their time to get to like. But when you look at the, the celebrations, after that victory uh, the weekend, you realised that they're a very they, tight unit. I don't think they attracted criticism until they, start, until they started winning stuff, and that's always the case. Yeah. You know, you, there's a sort of perception, particularly probably in this country, of a bit of arrogance to a, to a team that's winning everything, but that what they've done differently, actually, is in the past, it was all, all done about you know, being aggressive and being as tough as possible. They've done it while they're obviously having a great laugh. Which How important is everyone this? Everyone now is going to try and copy that, but it won't necessarily work for every team. Yeah, you've and got to do your own way of doing it. And that's probably what yeah. Saracens did differently. They didn't try and copy Wasps. They didn't try and copy Leicester exactly. They found their own, uh, you know, different culture, if you like. Yeah. Well, those scenes, obviously, right at the end of what was a phenomenal weekend for you. Absolutely. Historic occasion, Saracens looking to create their own legacy and following the footsteps of the great teams of Leinster, Toulon and the Leicester Tigers. A moment in history there for those guys, well deserved, a fantastic team Ben, but you look at the stats, particularly some of the numbers, metres, they weren't, they weren't that much in the lead were they? Yeah, it's, it's the little differences, so if you actually look at it, Claremont 
have forced or won more turnovers than Saracens. So you might think that defensively, Claremont were on top, but that wasn't the case. If we go to the next page, the where there were the differences carries over the gain line, 67 to 36. Saracens are getting That's over the gain line more, little, almost twice as much momentum. But equally, I was talking about the turnovers won, conceded. So Saracens' defence, they might not actually be stealing the ball, but the quality of the collisions are making Claremont make mistakes. I think the quality of the collisions and their overall attacking play and their structure. Can we highlight that on our uh, drawy-boardy thing? Yeah, on the drawy-boardy thing. Um, absolutely. I think that's one of the things that uh, when you get that momentum, what starts happening is defensively you start panicking a little bit. There's a bit of fatigue that sets in and Saracens have punched holes in Claremont's line. Marcelo Bosch made a break through the middle. What the defence then starts doing is actually starting to defend as individuals and looking to cover for where they think mistakes might be, uh, might be made and thus, thus leaving holes uh, for the, from where they should be defending. But it's similar plays all the time, isn't it? People running short, double-loading defenders, trying to disrupt the second defender and the third defender. All about power, control and ultimately just winning collisions and getting quick, quick balls. We call it a momentum game. It's exactly that. As soon as you have the momentum going against you, suddenly all your defence and, and, and all the systems that you practice all week go out the window. Jim, one thing we've got to say is it was a big, big win for Saracens. But Clermont made you work hard. They are a class outfit. Yeah, quality players throughout the pitch. Um, you know, you just have to look at how they played the game. Their defence, for large parts of that game, they were phenomenal. We knew it was going to be a tough game. Um, they're so good over ball, like they're so, so good over ball and we worked all week on tr trying to counter that with big cleaners coming in and it didn't have an effect but I think we're experienced in them positions, we're experienced of winning big games and I think that, you know, you, you, you saw Alex Good put that grubber through there, he knows exactly what he's doing, he's a clever, smart player who's been in them situations before so credit to Clement, they're obviously going to be absolutely gutted because they've been in so many finals but, you know, I, I th obviously I'm going to be a bit biased but I thought that the best team won on the day. Well, no question about that, Ben, but uh, you, you wonder what psychological damage this will do to Claremont. Three losses now in the Champions Cup final. Yeah, in some respects, it still gives them a reason to stay together and, uh, and keep going. Um, but they, they just need to get that monkey off their back. For the, I mean, that's probably the, the big thing. The whole town is obsessed with the rugby club. And the pressure that is building on these guys to, to come up and, and, and win the European Cup is just huge. And maybe that's part of it. Uh, but they just, unfortunately for them, they're, they're up against a, a team in Saracens that are just so comfortable and so confident that those little tiny moments in a game where it feels like it's getting away from you doesn't bother Saracens. But surely those doubts come in for Clement. One player that well, pretty much every rugby viewer, every rugby fan is falling in love with is Billy Vodopola. We love him for what he says off the field, but we love him as well for what he does on the field. He's a bit special, isn't he? Oh, he's unbelievable. He's, he's, he's up there, if not the, the best rugby player in the world. I mean, you just look, he gets over the gain line time and time again. I'm stating the obvious there. You know, big Tongan, Tongan English, English man. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but him and his brother are absolutely sensational. Obviously, both had a, a bit of time out this season with injury, and they're just coming right just at the perfect time. Obviously, the big games now and then leading on to the Lions tour, but as well as being an unbelievable rugby player, he, he's just a great man for, you, you know, um, just an all-round all, all game there. Yeah. And he's loving life at the moment, isn't he? He's enjoying himself. That's the thing. It's interesting you say about the, the Tongan heritage. That it was Eddie Jones who looked at him and said, I want you to play like a Tongan. Don't play like an Englishman. Play like a Tongan. You're built that way. It's in your genes. Exactly. Big, yeah, hard man, big boned, 
As I say, him and his brother are two special players. And then we just love waiting to see what he has to say come <laughs> the end of a game. And uh, reference, of course, has to be made for, for Owen Farrell, um, voted the European Player of the Year. There he is receiving the Anthony Foley Memorial Trophy, newly minted and uh, being presented there by Anthony Foley's widow, Olive, and son, Tony. Well done to them and congratulations. Uh, on Anthony Foley putting his name to something which really will mean a lot. His legacy will go on and on as it should. A lot is happening in the world of rugby. In breaking news tonight, Ben, big news from the RFU. Ian Ritchie, the, uh, the chief executive of the RFU, announcing that he's, uh, he's going to be retiring in the summer. He's, he's had a huge impact on the English game. He has. It's a, it's a very difficult job. You've obviously got diametrically opposed uh, parties, all with their own uh, wants from the RFU, and, and um, it's very difficult to manage those. And you know, the clubs um, have, have traditionally had a, a fairly fractious relationship with the RFU. He's very good at rebuilding a lot of those bridges, but still maintaining the importance to, to the England team. Um, I'm a bit disappointed. I would have loved to have seen him carry on until uh, the World Cup, the next World Cup. Um, but you know, the amount of stick he took after the last World Cup, and then to put Eddie Jones in charge, what he did commercially at the last World Cup, and what he's done for the RFU, it's almost like he's going before he gets the pat on the back. If England do 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 really well at the next World Cup, but um, yeah. he's, he'll go down as as one of the are a few uh, chief execs that, that's been a, a resounding success. Yeah, revenue's up massively and, and that recovery from 2015, hugely important. Um, Oz, the news certainly buzzing around my part of the world, up in Northamptonshire, is are we going to be hanging on to Louis Picamol? Um, the news from Montpellier is that he signed a pre-contract agreement, not that they mean a great deal, but you just wonder whether Northampton can stave off the Ultrad millions. Yeah, well, the rumours flying around that he's been offered, I think Ben said earlier, a million pounds a year. Euros. Or Euros, sorry. It's a big difference know. now. It's almost the same. Um, and I don't know why, why he'd possibly go and live on the sea at Montpellier. It's actually uh, 10 This is a debate we've been 10 having. 10 kilometres away from the Montpellier's sea. Montpellier's on the sea. It's not quite. You can see the sea from my house. I there. there. It is it's on definitely the on the sea. <laughs> the caravan. Hey? <laughs> <laughs> Tent, actually, yeah. Jamie. Right. Um, Jim, just, just tell us, when you play against Saints and when you play against Louis Piccamore, how much of a, a game-breaker is he? Well, very similar to Billy Van Napola. World-class player, unbelievable carrier, huge mountain of a man. I actually think he's done... Uh, I think he's, I'm a little bit surprised to see him leaving, if, if that's the case. The, the, the problem yeah. for Saints is they would appreciate some compensation. So if they get some compensation, you know, we, we've heard them talking about wanting to raise an extra million pounds um, in, in revenue from somewhere. So do you keep a player who really doesn't want to be there? Yeah. Or do you cash in knowing that actually he's been really important to you, but the sort of money you're talking, you could probably get you know, two players for the same price as, as what he was on. Yeah. So it's my, very difficult. You, you would yeah, imagine they're already is, in the market looking. Yeah, my problem with that is that contracts are becoming irrelevant no, now. Exactly, this What's is the thing, point? isn't it? Yeah. Well, well, no, no, there like there is a point to that because they will benefit substantially yeah, but In the whole scheme of things, a million pounds to a rugby club that turns over £20 million is not well, a huge amount. No, they'll need that money. OK, guys, we'll leave this so. one hanging in the air. We'll see how this one develops. To be continued. Uh, good news for South Africa. The, a victory at the Paris Sevens. We'll not talk about this. Sevens <laughs> not really our forte, but well that's, done that's to South name. Africa. And they now have an unassailable lead in that. They are now, of course, the, uh, the World Sevens champions. So congratulations to them. Breaking news as well. The RBS Six Nations, the dates and fixtures have been released for next season and the season after. So get on Tinternet and check out 
possibility of be one of the French games being not being in Paris for the yeah. first time. Marseille might be an option, or maybe, or maybe Montpellier. On, I'm down by the sea in Montpellier. <laughs> down on the beach. Montpellier. Beach uh, and interestingly, uh, Newcastle. Taking Saracens on in Philadelphia, September the 16th. This game, one game at the moment, every season in America seems to be uh, seems to be taken off. Yeah, looking forward to that one. That should be good. Yeah, we played there before. Um, we played against London Irish in in New York. Well, not well, it was New York at the Red Bull Stadium. Great, great place to play. Hopefully that there'll be a little bit more of a build up over there because did it, it, did it affect you at all having to do that? time zone hop in terms of what, what you were doing on the games around it? Did it take you a while to recover? Do you think it'll be something yeah. that is sustainable for guys to go out and... Judging by Saturday night, they've got more jet lag from that. <laughs> <than they have. laughs> no, it, it, it was more that, you know, we were allowed to go out and kind of do the touristy things and it was making sure that we were in the right frame, frame of mind to play like London Irish because it, because it was their game at the time. Yeah. They, they were hosting a lot of things and they were doing a lot of commercial stuff. Whereas... Well, it's going to be Newcastle's home game, so maybe they'll yeah. have to do the same. Talking about uh, people on the move, Austin, Matt Gitto leaving two I think he's a massive loss for Toulon yeah. and I know they'll be talking about a variety of players to bring in but he's in the mould I think of Johnny Wilkinson and Botha and uh, other players that were there that actually gave them a little bit more steel, um, a little bit more organisation. You hear rumours that players don't turn up to training at Toulon if they don't want to. You rock Crazy. up on one day and you're like, where's Bastereau? Don't know. Is he yeah. at physio? Don't know. I think he's at home. Is I think he coming the glue in tomorrow? as well, Maybe. the glue of all those Galacticos, but the guy that pulls the strings, uh, you know, stood outside Johnny Wilkinson and, and gave him the extra pair of eyes. Although Johnny took a lot of the credit, I think Gitto was hugely important. Yeah. So he's off to Suntory Sungoliaths. Now, interesting listening to, to Eddie Jones saying teams are going to have to get out and play in Japan to get themselves ready for the 2019 World Cup. We can see Ireland's squad. Joe Schmitz announced his squad. Eight new, eight uncapped players in that. Some experienced players being left behind to have a to have a rest. Obviously, a good number not available because of the Lions, but some certainly some experience out there. So they're the first team really to get to grips with the conditions over in Japan. They got a game against the USA as well. And guys, this raises an interesting. Uh, the probably the most talked about thing in the media at the moment, as far as Eddie Jones is concerned, as squads are concerned, putting together an England squad to train ready for the Barbarians game, Ben, and criticism of the number of New Zealand players, overseas players within the England squad. Yeah, How do you read I, it? I think you know people were critical of the squad as a whole, some of the people that have come in when, when there are English players available. But Eddie Jones was fairly um, vocal, as you'd expect, in, in his um, how he played that. He said, look, I don't make the rules. My job is to pick the best England team I see available. And um, I've done that within the law. So um, it, it's, it's right. It's his decision who he picks. You know, whether, I think some people are saying, you know, are they as good? Well, uh, the other thing he said, well, you know, the people you're moaning about, they haven't been playing well enough to get in my team. And, and if they play better, if, this, if the stick they need to make them play better next season to get in, then, then that's a great result. And also, a lot of the players that he would have selected still involved with, with Wasps, with Saracens, with, with Exeter and with Leicester Tigers and with Northampton Saints because of their playoffs. So he's down to his eighth and ninth selections. It is, but sometimes it's not a bad thing, that, because you can earth somebody you didn't expect. Willie Hines may be that guy. I mean, he's going in from Archant, who's injured, we believe, that he's going to end up you know, replacing him in the squad, maybe going to Argentina, we don't know. Um, but I, I think it's good that they're skipping the fringe players and, and trying some guys that potentially wouldn't have got that opportunity because you never know who's going to surprise Eddie. And Eddie believes in himself that he can change the careers of individuals and make them play better. And that's what great coaches do. Yeah, and so you've got Jason Woodward. New Zealand are qualified. Well, Jim, um, Jim qualified for Scotland because he had a Scottish terrier. <laughs> so, 
Half Scottish. Quarter English. The dog was, or you are. <laughs> Great stuff. Holiday. Good stuff. OK, guys, let's take a pause on that. Uh, of course, we're still wallowing and, and marvelling the achievements of Saracens. Back-to-back -back Champions Cup victories put them in illustrious... Uh, uh, um, whatever, with Leicester Tigers. There we go. The word was in there, but it's just not coming out. So let's move on to the Challenge Cup, where Gloucester <laughs> were looking to... Don't look at me. I know you're looking at me. Don't look at me. But Gloucester were looking to uh, make it three <laughs> Challenge Cup victories. Could they do it against Stade Francais? Austin, almost for Gloucester. Almost. It was a breakaway try. They got the victory over La Rochelle. They nearly did it this time, but they were up against much stiffer, much more committed opposition. Yeah, they were, and there were some pivotal moments, weren't there, in the game that it could have swung either way. The Heinz yellow card didn't have that much effect on the game, but I thought the decision was wrong. It was either a red card or nothing. Um, and I think the ref on the night had a bit of a shocker, to be honest. Now, this is an interesting thing. There was a, a debatable point on uh, the use of substitution, something we'd seen in the France-Wales game. This is Paul Grayson's tweet on it. Typically sardonic Paul Grayson. See, I could say sardonic, but I couldn't say company. Um, know a few people who pull a Slimani on a night out, go big early, then disappear for ages, only to return fresh for the final push. Uncool. This is what he's talking about. Uh, ben, how do you read this? So we've got Slimani <coughs> coming off at half-time. Well, Nick, Mullen, Nick well. Mullins was commentating on it, saying, oh, Slimani's uh, coming off. Um, this guy's coming on. And, uh, oh, sorry, he's just putting his tracksuit on. We might see him again, half-jokingly. And uh, as you said, it happened in the Wales-France uh, game. Also happened in the Racing game as well, where he went off and, and came back on for the last 10 minutes. Here's the injury to Van der Merve. He's uh, gone off, gets taped up with a big field bandage because he's obviously got a devastating blood injury. Slimani comes back on and uh, sees out the rest of the game. And there's Van der Merve. It's I a miracle. I can't see a cut. There's no cut. Those bandages are good. Our guys from the 3RHA are thinking we need got, some of those. The problem we've got, we don't actually know. We haven't heard the conversations. Maybe it was a head injury assessment. I, I, I don't know. The problem we've got is whichever way you try and play it, it opens it up to, you know, I'm not saying Stad did, but it opens up to teams bending the rules. So if you don't, if you don't allow head injury assessments, it's terrible, or, or we see people cheating the head injury assessment. If you do it the other way around, we say, we say well, how can a referee go up to someone and say, no, no, you're not injured? Because he, yeah. he'll then get pilloried for... So we, it's a real problem. Well, the worst part of the game for Gloucester was they were chasing the game at that point and it takes Slomani six minutes to get from the sideline to the other side of the field for a scrum. <laughs> so he killed a lot of time that. Jim, are you aware of things like this happening? Have you been in games where you thought that just doesn't seem right? No, never. No? No, ser no so, seriously. Well, no, that's an important <laughs> no, no, thing. Yeah. So, so it's not... No, no, or no. are you just not aware of what's going no, on? of course. Ask him in two weeks. That, as as that. <laughs> and that's not because I'm not clever enough. That's because we're genuinely we're head on the game. So it's, it is... I think it's a little bit of a shame if that's what they're doing. And to me, it only seems like the French seem to be manipulating situations like that, which is a little bit of a worry and hopefully... It, it needs to be looked at then, because yeah. Gloucester were well beaten in the scrums. But if you look at that France-Wales game, that decided the game. And that, certainly as far as every sport it does need is concerned. It because if the rules are being bent, it ruins us trying to look after the players for, for good reason. Yeah, well, Gloucester's season is, uh, is done and dusted as a result of that. And one player who served them magnificently well over the years is saying goodbye. Matt Kvesic, this is what he tweeted, some tough goodbyes. Wish the club all the best. Love representing Gloucester, especially at King's Home. Thanks to everyone, hashtag Gloss family. He, of course, on his way to the Exeter Chiefs. And, uh, Ben, we haven't really seen much of him. As soon as they knew he was on his way, they, they it's stuck been with, a real shame with Ludlow for him. and Rowan. Um, 
because obviously it's 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 hampered any chances um, you know that he's had to impress Eddie Jones and things. We we know that Eddie Jones hasn't sort of seemed to have been the biggest fan of his, but you know with the Lions tour going on as well. But I think he will absolutely suit the way Exeter Chiefs play next year, and and he'll be fresh and yeah. he will be wanting to make a big impact. Mouthwatering encounters coming up this weekend. Two live games for you. The Aviva Premiership semi-finals. Exeter against Saracens live from Sandy Park. Join us from 1.45 there. And then the winner of that will work out who they're playing against when Wasps take on Leicester Tigers. 4.45 from the Rico. Both those games are 4K on 4K UHD and BT Sport 1. So big teams taking a lot of form into these matches. Uh, ben, Exeter Chiefs, their, their, their form, certainly since the new year, has been absolutely astonishing. Can they keep that going right the way through to the final? Yeah, I think they can. I think they'll prefer to meet Saracens in the semi-final than in the final because Saracens have that big final experience. They're lacking a few players, uh, we think, with injury this week. So that will be a challenge for them, but at home. But they, all those games... Big wins there. They're all with a bonus point. Eight on the trot with a bonus point. They're in fine form. The only thing I, I think they might be slightly concerned is they're all sort of lower down teams. Leicester probably the highest there um, that, that they faced in, in that period. So that arm wrestle, that tough team that, that, that won't go away, they, they, they've yet to face. And, and obviously they don't come much tougher than Saracens. Yeah, big challenge awaits. But they go into that game with a good deal of confidence. So we sent a rather windswept Sarah down to Sandy Park to chat with the Exeter boys. Hi guys, I hope you're all nice and dry and warm in the studio and thanks for sending me out in the pouring rain. But I don't mind because I'm here on my favourite ground, Sandy Park, to speak to the Exeter Chiefs head of what is a pretty big weekend. It's semi-final weekend and they're playing the European champions. Semi-final week, um, what's the mood in camp, Jack? We've kind of had the history of last year being in the same position now. Um, there's obviously going to be a few nerves and stuff come Friday, Saturday, but um, you know, building up to this week, we've treated it like, like any other week, to be honest. It is Saracens who are firmly in charge. A cagey, nervous first 25 minutes or so. I think that, that first half let us down last year in the final at Twickenham. Um, you know, maybe a bit rabbits in the headlights. Um, that first half, I think we came in, it was something 20 to 3 or something. But I think we, we take a great amount of, uh, you know, excitement from that second half. As we came out, we almost had nothing to lose. Um, we fought our way back into a close game in the end. And obviously a bit different this year. We're a bit more experienced. Um, Home zone final as well is a, is a massive uh, bonus for us. So, um, but again, yeah, we want to we want to top it from last year. There's a lot of things that have to go well. Our decision making has to be very very precise, because as you've seen, you know, in, in a lot of big games now, Saracens are really able to put the squeeze on teams defensively. We've got to complete tackles and we've got to control the gain line and in attack exactly the same. We've got lots of little areas to work on, but when you discuss all of those points and you look at you know, particularly the last eight to ten weeks, have they gone well for us? And most of them have. <clears throat> well, you can hear more of that chat between Sarah and uh, Jack Knoll at 1.45, and I'll build up to the game. Saracens taking on Exeter Chiefs down at Sandy Park. Uh, Jim, that is a big, big challenge for you after the bodies taking absolute bashing in that European final to take on Exeter Chiefs. That will focus the mind. Yeah, definitely. Look, they're a quality team. You saw the results there. You know, they're a team that we respect. Uh, they're also a team that we've played a lot against over, over the, the years, obviously a repeat of the final. Uh, and I think uh, the neutral, or maybe a, a little bit more than that, is they're looking for Exeter to win. 
you know, the story that they've had over the, the years gone by. Rob Baxter, a fantastic coach. It's going to be a tough game. Like, we know that, we, but we're preparing accordingly. What's been the message since that final win on Saturday? We know that you guys were allowed to let your hair down. What has been the focus when you came back into training? I think it's just back to work as normal. We are in a similar situation last year, albeit we had a home semi. Um, and all the leaders in the team, so the backbone of our, of our squad have been talking about the need to focus this week in training and that you know we're going to go down there and spend time together on the Friday uh, ahead of the game. So I think that everyone's well aware of that. We know if we play at our very best, um, there's a good chance we can go and win the game. But look, full, full respect to, to, to Exeter. And we, as I say, we're training hard for this game. It's a big game that we want to win. Oz, what about Exeter? Are they the same team as, uh, as lost in the final last year? Or are they a better team? Um... I think they're very similar. I don't know if they're necessarily better. I think maybe they believe in their style of play a bit more. But what concerns me is some of the stuff, the chat that's come out about the mistakes they made against Saris last year. They, they played too much rugby. They played in the wrong areas of the field and they got punished for it. So I hope they don't go away from the style of play that we've seen them play down at Sandy Park where they'll go multi-phase from their own try line and they don't care. Um, you have to be careful, but I think you have to back yourselves and back your own style in the knockout stages. If you're going to play like that, Ben, against Saracens, you've got to be accurate because they, Saracens are a team who almost want you to come at them. <clears throat> yeah, because if you look at it, if you look at the stats, actually, Saracens are, are, are bottom of the charts on passes, carries, everything, in number in a game, and Exeter are the top of them. So that, what that tells you is Exeter like to have the ball and they, they don't mind if they're not really going anywhere. They just frustrate you in that way. Saracens are fine not having the ball, frustrating you, but as soon as you make a mistake, bang, they go through the gears. And that's where Exeter have to get that balance right of when they kick, when they put it in behind, they can't kick loosely because there's, there's probably no one better. Maybe, maybe Wasps at the moment have, have been able to seize that opportunity. Jim, what about the Exeter forward power, particularly their driving mall? It is so potent for them. Yeah, the driving mall, we've spoken about it before, but I think also when they get five metres out, they're so clinical, they've got big guys, big players, they're physical. And I think it's the fact that they're so well coached. So there's, there's not many individual, you know, world-class players in, in that team. I don't think I'm derog derogatory saying that. I think it's, it's clear to see. Um, but they're a workmanlike team. They're well coached. And you mentioned them all there. It's a huge part of their game, as it is when, you know, they get five metres out. They're a devastating team. I was in the build-up to the, the Claremont game. We're all saying, really, if you wanted to beat Saracens, you've got to build up a lead against them as quickly as possible. Does that apply for Exeter this weekend? I think it applies for everyone in every game, but I read a piece in the paper today that Mike Tyson said, everyone's got a plan until you get punched on the nose. And that's pretty much what Saracens do to you. They, they drag you down, they, uh, they wait for their opportunity, and there's no better side at taking a chance, I don't think, than Saracens, whether it's from a freebie penalty or whether it's from a turnover. When they get in that red zone, they normally come away with points. And They've won a game this season, the most amazing stat the whole year for me, was having the lowest amount of time in possession and they still won the match. It was the lowest ever, something like 12 minutes, and they still went on to win the game. Shows you how precise they are. The key for them will be when Claremont came back into the game um, in that mid-part, just, just after half-time, they started to win those collisions. Now, we've, we've seen that Exeter have that ability when they get down into the 22, that pick-and-go game, pick-and-go game, but then getting the, the timing right when you've dragged in those defenders to take that opportunity... <coughs> If they can get that momentum, if they can win that collision battle with Saracens, whose defensive line is pretty supreme, they've got a good chance.
So, Leicester Tigers have got a massive job ahead of them when they take on Wasps. When you consider the turmoil that surrounded Welford Road, it's amazing that they've made it through to the playoffs. But Leicester Tigers in the playoffs, it just seems the right thing. Key men are performing at the key time, including one young man. He is the future of Propage. So we sent the past to chat with him. Ellis, how you doing? All right, Bobby, what's going on? Ready for a little chat? <laughs> Flip-flops all right, or...? <laughs> I've got mine in the car, actually. <laughs> there you mate. go, I'll you're all right. right. I'll be all right. <laughs> how you doing, mate? Good to Not see you. Not bad, yeah, and you, brother. Good. What's going on? Mate, tell me about those uh, slippers, getting off a bus with slippers on. Comfort you didn't lose a bet on them, mate. I didn't, nah. Unfortunately not. I got them for Christmas, so I promised my mum I'd wear them, so... Yeah, fair enough. I heard that one of your first training sessions here, you were getting a bit feisty. You're being a bit of a handful. And Richard Cockerell said, if you want to fight, fight me. And you said, well, if I fight you, who's going to coach the forwards? <laughs> Is that true? Yeah, he's buried right here, but <laughs> Just in I think he's around here somewhere. <laughs> you check uh, your pocket. Just where that cone is over there. Like, uh, <laughs> nah, yeah, Cockers was giving me a bit of grief. I just gave it back. I regretted it after that. The boys steamed straight into me. <laughs> did they? Did they? <laughs> Thought it was this young spunker. But uh, nah, Cockers is a good bloke, mate. I got on well with him. Still trapped him now and then. He's obviously living a life over here in Toulon and we're... Uh, yeah. Slamming it, mate. yeah. <laughs> so let's go back a few years growing up in Bristol. I want to know where this aggression you've got comes from. It's a big part of your game. How do you arrive with it? Like my family are all the same, mate. Like my dad's the same, my granddad's the same. Yeah. Both sides of my family are hot-headed and obviously I was just a kettle <laughs> ready yeah. to pop, you know what I mean? You're just but, on telly uh, doing uh, it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just, uh, I'm just doing it at Welford Road instead yeah. of uh, instead of Newquay Shops in Bristol. Yeah. Rugby for so long was a middle-class public school university game now it's a game for everybody it really is but do you look back on your sort of your childhood and your upbringing and think that made me sort of harder than anyone could be from a, a background a sort of a posher background as it were when i was growing up it was still there a little bit but i think if you really want to get the the ruffians or the the, the gnarly players in the game again, then yeah, they've got to go searching the grassroots, mate. Like Nuki shops in Bristol, Nuki mate. Shops, it's like you find mate. them. Nuki fish bar, mate. That's where they got to go. <laughs> That's it. Uh, but I had boys who, 14, 13, who were crazy players, mate. Like, yeah. I was like, oh, this kid's gonna go all the way, blah blah. Yeah. And now they're just on the shovel, mate. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But uh, it's good to see that like they're starting to sort of invest in grassroots and that's sort of bring it through, like. It's good to see some of the other boys uh, from different cultures, different backgrounds. It's what makes rugby good, mate. Well, yes. It's why we all get on. If Leicester let you go now, sort of mid-season, having played really well for them and shown your ability, I would find that really weird. And I find it no less weird that Bristol let you go. I was just hot-headed, mate, but they sort of grinned and bared it for a while. Just come to a mutual agreement, it was like, half and half really. They didn't want me to go, but at the same time I said to them, look, I can't, I can't be here without being the way I am, mate, yeah. it's a lot of growing up for how old was I, 19, 20, 20 years old to do, just go away from home yeah. to live in the Midlands with a few other boys. You've obviously had conversations, you've been around with Eddie Jones, what are your communications like with him? He just wants everyone to get better and he's been he's been real good for me, he reminded me that I'm not the finished article and sort of, you need to work on your scrummaging still, you still need to work on your ball carrying, you still need to work on your tackling makes me very aware yeah. <laughs> of what I need to work on. So it's semi-final time. Do you look at this as semi-finals sort of enough of an achievement? Or actually, is it now, yes, we're focused on what's this weekend, but we can go and win this thing when everyone thinks we can't? Yeah, uh, I think we believe we can, like all the boys. And it, it took some convincing with the sort of the, the Christmas period we had, because we had a lot going on, mate. We had Cockers leave and obviously Mage left uh, a few months ago. and. I'm not going to say we're lucky to be here because we've put in the work off the pitch. It just just won't happen for us yeah. sometimes in a season. But 
Moving into the semi-final, yeah, everyone's ready, mate. Like we, we know we can go to the Rico and win. Yeah, hey, good luck, mate. I hope it goes well for you. Cheers, good luck. Brother. Thanks for the Cheers, chat. Yeah. Ellis Genge there chatting with Flats. Ben, how good is Ellis Genge? Um, <coughs> potentially a, a world beater, but he's not there yet. He's a rough diamond. But the things that he's not quite there yet on are all things that you can learn. It's all experienced stuff. The things that he's probably better than a lot of people on are stuff you can't teach. This power game that he has, the drive that he has. As you saw there, he's actually an immensely nice bloke, uh, really popular at the club, but he's got that streak in him and he just wants to run through people. But if he learns off those around him with the experience and grows and continues to grow, there's no reason why he can't be world-class. Marcus Ayacha speaks very highly of him. And when he's speaking highly of him, you know he's going to be good. Well, he's 22. I think that's the point Marcos made. He's 22. He's at the beginning of his journey. And, you know, props, they come into their own at 28. So he's got all that time to, to, to grow as a player. Um, and, and, yeah, Marcos just says it, it, the, the front five tend to give the personality of the team, which is another way of saying that grit and that determination. And he certainly does that. But he has that... What Leicester probably have missed a little bit, um, and Saracens have it in spades, is that ability for someone to get your momentum when you haven't got any. They've got Mako, they've got Billy that does it at Saracens. Jim. He, Jim. Yes. yes. <laughs> Sorry, Correct. Jim, I'm not laughing at you. Correct. <laughs> uh, but, um, but Ellis has certainly given Leicester that, and they haven't really had it um, you know, throughout the team over, over the last couple of seasons. Jim, when you hear... Ellis Gensch talking there with Flats, and you hear him talking about that, his, his upbringing, fairly feisty, fairly colourful. Um, left Bristol halfway through the season to come up to Leicester Tigers for various reasons. Do you think, actually, I can, I can relate to that? Because you had a fairly colourful upbringing and introduction into rugby. Yeah, I did. And then probably that's where it stops. He's got more power in his right foot than I have in my whole body. So he's, uh, there's a big difference there. But yeah, I think that you know, what he's saying there, probably a little bit similar to me as well, is it's a way of channeling that aggression. You know, becoming part of a team and I think it's brilliant to see what he's done at Leicester. He mentioned Richard Cockrell there, I think, and I think that that's similar to what Cockers did to me. You know, he saw something, he saw a raw aggression of what, in what you need in rugby and he's found a way of channeling that. I think that, like Benny said, there's, he's still got a lot to work on. He probably goes a little bit off script now and again. He goes off and does his own thing, but for that, that age and that new into the game, to carry the ball and to tackle the way that he does is, yeah, he's got a huge future in front of him for sure. Well, of course, he would have been getting those coaching lessons and messages from Richard Cockrell to start with, then Aaron Major, now Matt O'Connor. What does he think in the build-up to this big game? It's been a tough season. There's been a lot of changes above the playing group and, you know, a lot of, a lot of uh, adjustments that have had to be made along the way. But, you know, to be still in a semi-final again is, is huge. But, I mean, this group's really positive around this being the starting point for this group, not, not the end point. Um, and, you know, we're not going to take our foot off the accelerator. We've got a huge game at Wasps and, you know, we've got to make sure that we, you know, put out the best performance. They've got three or four guys that are as good as they are in the game and, you know, we're going to have to be incredibly accurate and, and manage the opportunities they get. And, and, and if we can, can minimise those opportunities, we'll be a long way to getting the result. Well, it's probably a bit early to say, is this the right appointment? Have they got it right with Matt O'Connor? He's been at Tigers before, obviously, but they're back in another semi-final. Something's going right with this man in charge. Absolutely. He's doing really well. I mean, Ben hasn't fired him yet. He's been there for a month now. He's gone, you know, he's managed to get through, you know, at least the first month. But I think he's hit. We said it, we were a bit worried at the start. But this could be probably Leicester's most successful season ever. 
if they go on with all the problems that they've had, the emotions that are, are running through that club that really rife at the minute, um, the coaching situations that they've got, this could well be their biggest triumph. Uh, if they can go on, if they can beat Wasps, if they can then go on to the final and win the trophy, uh, I think it'll be an amazing year for them. Do you think they've got the discipline to win two big games like that? The question is, I don't think if they've got the discipline, is have they got the ability to win those two games? And, and that's, I, I, I don't doubt that they've got the discipline to do it, but the ability, there's still a little, there's you know, 5-10% of me that worries a lot whether they can go all the way this year. Uh, I'd love to see them do it for obvious reasons, um, but it, purely on form, the other three sides are better on form. But will that, that carry through in the semi-finals? We've seen it been broken before, and I think will we see it broken again? Will it be this weekend? We'll find out. Ben, they're up against a Wasp team, which has done what Wasp teams of old always used to do, peak at the right time. They had a bit of a dip maybe a month and a half ago, so ago, but they're back to their try-scoring best. Yeah, they are. Um, and what I like about them, they're, they're sort of... It goes against everything about premiership sides that are successful. You know, they, they can play from absolutely anywhere. This is earlier on in the season against Northampton, running from their own line. Danny Cipriani, great little chip through, good support and just picking teams off and they've done this from wherever they, they almost play a, a, a super rugby style of game which people say you can't do in the premiership and yet there they are topping the league i hope now you know for, for their own sake all the wasp fans will be thinking when you get to the pressure of knockout rugby can they continue that can they still be as free-flowing as this and outscore teams not worry too much about how many tries they concede but actually just go out there and say look you're going to have to score an awful lot of tries to beat us because we know that we can, we can beat you. Jim, when, you, when you're preparing for a game against Wasps, as Ben said, you know they can absolutely hurt you. But they do leave themselves open. They are vulnerable, aren't they? Yeah, they are. Look, you know, they're a very good team. They actually put, put nearly 70 points on uh, Saracens on this last season, albeit not our first team. But they've got quality players throughout. But like you say, it's crunch time now, isn't it? They finished top of the league. We know that that means nothing when it comes to these games. So I think if you were to ask Leicester who they'd want, I think that this is the one. They've only got to go down the M69 to play them. So uh, it's going to be a fascinating game. I think Wasps are favourites going into it. You know, they're a quality team. They've got world-class players. Obviously, Beal's on fire at the minute. It's going to be uh, interesting to see. Yeah, it's the newest of the local derbies, isn't it? Well, Dai Young, of course, is at the Premiership Awards, which are taking place tonight in London. And we were able to catch a few words with him. Now, we were uh, really settled for being top of the league at the start of the year. It's a major achievement. Wasps have never done it before. I know you don't win anything by actually being top, but it does show consistency in our performances throughout the year. Now, obviously, we've earned the right to, to have a home draw in the semis. We know it's going to be tough, but hopefully we can at least go one step further. Very strong set piece. We know that's coming. Very traditional Leicester. They always got that. And the contact area, I think that's where the game's going to be won or lost. You know, they, they really ch uh, chuck bodies in there. They're really physical. And, you know, if you don't get your accuracy in that contact area, you're playing off slow ball. And, you know, if you're playing off slow ball, that their defence will come and get you. So, you know, we know what's, what's coming our way, but obviously we've got to make sure that we get our game going. And then we believe we can get our game going. You know, we've got the army to get the result. Dying there at the, at the Premiership Rugby Awards. Jimmy Gopeth there with the golden boot. Leading point scorer in the Premiership. Ben, he's going to be absolutely key for them, isn't he, in that semi-final? What? Well, yeah. The semi-final in all into Not the Not just because of his point scoring, yeah. but how he sort of pulls all those world-class players, a bit like um, Gitto we were talking about, how he pulls all those individual talents together. Um, he, he's probably the, the, the guy that doesn't want to show off all the time, but, but makes things happen for them. Oz, right at the start of the show, you asked for uh, the viewers to, to come I? in with their views of, uh, 
of who they thought was going to win and why. Have you had any responses? I have, Dave. It's funny you should ask because I've got an iPad here right next to me. As I if don't know by where, magic. You know, maybe I sort of saw that question. But before we do that, actually, I think we should ask the audience. Go on. Um, you get two votes, everyone. So, first of all, if you think Saracens will beat Exeter, put your hand up. So, what's that? It's about. I'd say about 50-50. So, but if you That's think Exeter... 50-50. All right, OK, more than 50. So, most people think Saracens. If you think Wasps will beat Leicester, put your hand up. Well, you're all wrong. Um, <laughs> and if you think Montpellier and... is by the sea, put your hand up. <laughs> it is, Jim. It is by the it sea. It is by the it sea. Is, Jim yeah. It's six it. miles from the sea. It's not six miles. You can walk. The driveway's longer than okay, that. OK, go for it. Um, OK, uh, Jason uh, is called J.F.J. Payne. Sorry, it's Walsh. Saracen's oh, too J. good. J.F.J. Payne. At J.F.J. Payne, yeah. That. He writes a book as well. Um, anyway, uh, Saracen's too good and on a roll after wins in Europe, including Munster and Wasps. Uh, and Wasp, because I'm a Wasp fan. Gary Hume, he's gone for Wasps. Sometimes defensively suspect, but will score however many it takes to win this weekend. Harry's dad um, at Westlake Kevin. Um, heart says Exeter Chief. Head says Saracens. Let's hope my heart wins. And Eddie Crow at Eddie Crow. At Rugby Tonight, Tigers versus Exeter. Final, I think. It will be a cracking weekend. Excellent. Well, there we go. That's all scientific. <laughs> that is what will happen. Well, Ali Hargreaves will be our guest for Exeter against Saracen. Then, of course, is Leicester. They take on what's highlights. Will also be shown 9:45 on Saturday on BT Sport 2. Um, so, guys, we uh, one of the things that we're discussing at the Premiership Awards is the sports uh, is the team of the season voted by us, BT Sports, as to who we thought was the top team from the players who've performed this season. There is our team. Uh, ben, I'll ask you to go through the forwards. Um, anyone in there that people might not have uh, been expecting? Uh, how do we back uh, up our may selections? Maybe Jackson Ray, um, because he's not sort of perhaps seen as the, as, as the glamour player and, and you, know, you know, there's a few guys in there that are internationals, but he has just consistently been outstanding, uh, can play in a number of positions. Armand as well has been outstanding for Exeter. I think, you know, the guys that were out and out, got every vote, you know, unanimous, unanimous decisions, Mako Vunapola, Louis Pickamoles, the both the second rows who, who, who've been fantastic as well. So, um, yeah, there's, there, there were a few decisions that, that needed to be debated over, but most of them were, were all in full agreement. What about the backs, Oz? Well, just, I wasn't in agreement. I thought Wilson should have made the team, but I didn't have any say at all in the forwards. I wasn't allowed to actually no, vote at all. deliberately didn't vote. I didn't care, to be right. honest. <laughs> they don't really matter. Right, right. Uh, the backs were all the talent is and looks. Um, it, I think it's pretty straightforward. Uh, Cipriani, for me, would be close. Uh, if you pick Cipriani and Gopeth together, and I think he'll be the key man in that Wasp Leicester game at the weekend. If he performs, Wasp win. If he gets put under pressure, maybe it goes the other way. And then everyone else. I mean, what an exciting backline, captain by Brad Barrett, who I think has had his best season in a Saracen shirt. He's been monumental this year. Great stuff. Jim Tuller says Brad Barrett had his face stitched back on from Saturday. It seemed to fall off towards the end of that game. His face yeah. was absolutely battered. A bit Scary. Of a it wasn't just that game. It's, it's been an accumulation it, of games. Yeah, he is a hard, hard man. Thanks for listening to the Rugby Tonight podcast. We'll be back again next week, and we'll see you then. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. 
But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 